Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's where we left off last year. Studying about agape love, that unconditional, selfless, committed type of love. And as we learn from the scriptures, it's a love that can only be possessed by a Christian. It becomes a part of our lives at the time of salvation via the Holy Spirit. It's a love that has been emphasized and had as its greatest example, Jesus of Nazareth. There was no one, nor will there ever be anyone will give humanity such an example of agape love. Again, agape love, unconditional, selfless, committed type of love. If you weren't here, you can get the CDs and catch up with us. They're on the wall over there. They're free. Let's look at verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not agape, have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, a martyr, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now our text this morning. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinks no evil. This is all agape love. Not phileo, not eros, not storge. Agape. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man... I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Father, again, we thank you for this time of worship in your word. And again, the freedoms we have. We know this this is illegal in so many countries. And (laughs) the last uh, year and a half, we've seen it become illegal in countries very close to us. So, Lord, we thank you for the freedoms we enjoy. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would bless them, encourage them, strengthen them wherever they find themselves. Father, that you would uh, give me the gift of teaching this morning. And that our hearts would be open to your word. Maybe we've heard this 10, 20, 30 times. Maybe we think we have it all down. 
Father, help us to surrender anew, afresh, to what your Holy Spirit would teach us today. Not relying on yesterday's manna, but seeking out the fresh manna. What would you show us for your glory, Father? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we got several slides here that we're going to go very quickly because we've got a lot to cover. And so a few weeks ago, I mentioned about inserting your name there in front of all those phrases of love and see how you do. And the last time we were together, I I encouraged you to insert the name Jesus there, and it's perfect. We're imperfect. But now let's look at some quick definitions. Suffers long. What does that look like? Well, it's not to lose heart, to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and troubles. I think this sounds very appropriate for 22. To be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others. To be mild and slow in avenging. How about kind? Kind is to show oneself useful by showing kindness. Envy is jealousy to have a warm feeling for or against. And that goes with Acts 7.9. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. How about parade? It means to boast. How about puffed up? It means to make proud. And we have 1 Corinthians 8, 1 that we've already studied. But now concerning things offered to idols, those lifeless, speechless things, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So important, especially as we get into the gifts here. So verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Verse uh, 5, love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Behave rudely, not proper or decent. Does not seek its own. Is not self-centered, just Jesus-centered. This is countercultural right there. Provoked means to irritate, to irritate. To uh, provoke, to arouse, to anger, thinks no evil, gives people the opportunity to prove, so not a definition, but a statement, thinks no evil, gives people the opportunity to prove who they say they are, and actions will always speak louder than words. Uh, Verse 6, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Iniquity is wrongfulness of character, life, or act. You see, love rejoices in the truth of every situation. This means that as a Christian, we should not have joy in our hearts over doing something wrong. Even over the downfall of others, as the Proverbs even teach us. You see, God takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked, nor should we, but rather pray for those who are in authority over us. So in order to to rejoice in the truth, you and I need to be seeking that absolute truth found in the word of God. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Bears, figuratively, to, to cover with silence. Endure patiently, to hide or to conceal. And 1 Peter gives us this great exhortation. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. This is also in the Old Testament. This does not forgo church discipline, none of that nonsense. But in generality, love, love covers a multitude of sins. Believes to have faith in, upon, or with respect to a person or a thing. And 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, 
even as you're receiving it this morning, don't look at the messenger, just hear the message. Which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The word of God does work. Hopes, its root word means joyful expectation of coming good. Joyful expectation of coming good. Endures means to stay under, to persevere. And in 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20, we read this. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Notice it doesn't say if you're a Republican or a Democrat or a socialist or whatever title you want to put on yourself, you suffer wrongfully, you're, you're doing okay. No, 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 no. When you're doing something for God and you endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if when you do, are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? There's, there's no benefit of that. But when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently. This is commendable before God. So hope, hope. Again, joyful expectation of coming good and endures to stay under to persevere. As we enter 22, is it going to get better per se? Most likely not. It's going to get worse. We're taught that in the word of God. So this is very applicable to us as we start off 22. Verse 8, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, pay close attention to this, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, so the gift of tongues, the practice of tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Pay close attention to that. Very important. You see, God's love never fails. His love is endless and unlimited, unchanging. In 22, please remember this. And it's been and will be the same forevermore. It doesn't change on what you and I do. You see, when you and I make the same mistake again, God still loves us. Phileo? Hmm. When you and I make the wrong decision again, God still loves us. When we go down the wrong path again, God loves us and change. He still loves us. When we turn our back on him, hmm, again, he still loves us. Why? Because God's agape love never fails. But notice the gifts, they will cease. When it's my turn to graduate, enter into heaven, I will no longer need the gift of prophecy. There are no pastors, there's no teachers in heaven. No one's going to come up and ask me any questions about the Bible. We have Jesus who taught his disciples the word of God and he will teach us if we have any questions. But our minds are going to be fuller than they've ever been. There'll be no need for the gift of tongues. When we get to heaven, there'll be no need for the gift of tongues. I'll be present with God and we'll be able to speak directly to him. I will no longer need to be edified in my spirit. Hopefully you're reading 12, 13, and 14. If you're not, if you're new, I encourage you to read Corinthians 12, 13, 14 this week. Study it. Think about it. Pray about it. We won't need the gift of tongues. I won't need to be edified. There'll be no doubts. There'll be no confusion. 
See, when I get to heaven, I will have the ability to fully express myself to God. There'll be no need for the gift of knowledge. Remember when we studied the word knowledge? It was that gift that gave a person insight into another person's life or insight about a situation. You see, when we get to heaven, there'll be no selfish plans or motives. We will instantaneously be transformed into those perfect, eternal servants of God. You see, becoming a servant of God is a lifelong process on this side of heaven. But not on that side of heaven. We'll be complete. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 13, 9. I'm emphasizing these things because it plays in with our text. You want to remember, we're, we're having a text here, so you want to keep it in context. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. You see, on this side of heaven, we can only learn and understand so much, whether that's physical or spiritual. Now, some people think they know a whole lot. They might even think they know it all. But when we talk about the knowledge of God, the smartest person on the face of the earth doesn't come close to God's knowledge. You see, we only know what God has revealed to us. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, we see this. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. There are some things that you and I are never going to figure out. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law or the word of God. So again, 22, I would encourage you to start reading your Bibles from Genesis to Revelation. And I hear the excuse often, well, you know, I, I just don't understand it. Good. Join the club. I, I don't either. I'm never going to be called into question to, or be held accountable for what I don't understand. I'm going to be held accountable for what I do understand. And so the enemy doesn't want you to read, so that's one of the excuses he uses so that you don't read. And then that provides less accountability and less responsibility. So then that makes it easier to just walk through this life, so to speak, as a Christian. Because now I don't give the Holy Spirit ample information to convict my heart so that I might become more like Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. So I encourage you, get into the Word of God. Don't let the enemy use that excuse. Because again, we can only understand what God has revealed to us, and even then our flesh can get in the way, and we can have a hard time grasping his ways. Why? Well, Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. And in Romans eleven thirty three, we read this, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And so sometimes when we hear those verses, we go, well, it's unsearchable, I'm not going to try. <laughs> Again, it's another lie from the pit of hell. It's not what the scriptures are referencing. It's just saying on this side of heaven, we can only know in part, and the rest will be revealed when we arrive in heaven. Because there are a few things within the Bible that we need more information on. There's no doubt about that. In order to truly and fully understand the meaning of it. Some of our biblical information grows as we continue to mature in our Christian faith. But some of that biblical information will only fully come to understand when we arrive in heaven. Verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. 
Now, some have translated this verse to mean that ever since we had the Bible, we've had the Bible in its entirety, we no longer need some of the gifts. The Bible is complete and everything we need to know is found within its pages. It's an interpretation that limits the need for the gifts or at least for a few of the gifts. And I find it interesting as I study the word of God that the Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians that we're studying in the early 50s, the original 50s, almost 2,000 years ago. And that the Apostle John wrote his writings in the 90s, the original 90s. 50 minus 90, that's pretty simple math, right? 40 years. So for over 40 years, all of the gifts were to be used by the church But with the death of John, because the gifts died with the apostles, some of the gifts were then canceled. I think it's an interpretation that is taken out of context of the text. How do I say, why do I say that? Well, it's clear that Paul is teaching these young Christians about the gifts and their proper use. It is also clear that the Holy Spirit would have known that the gifts were going to die with the apostles. So there would have been no real need to give such clear instructions about the gifts, and not only about them, but about how to use them in the future, which the church at Corinth is doing at that time. They were using all of the gifts. That's why it's so important to read chapter 14, because we're going to practice chapter 14 on a Sunday morning in a few weeks. I think it's the proper interpretation follows what Paul is going to share in chapter 15 of this letter. That when Jesus calls a believer home, they will then be perfect or complete. Not having a need for the gifts explained in these chapters. You see, again, if we look at verses 8 and 9, certain gifts are going to vanish. We just clearly read that. Well, we've had the Bible for 2,000 years, and those gifts have not vanished. Because the Word of God has not vanished. So I personally don't believe it can be, well, it's because we have the Word of God now we don't need the gifts. I don't think that's the proper text. I don't, I don't want to argue with you about it. If you don't want to believe in the gifts, you don't want to believe the use of the gifts, that's your privilege. Praise God. Go with that. I just want to read the text, and this is the way I believe it. This is the way I perceive it to be. And again, as you, as you weave it together and just let the text flow, I think it makes common sense. The Bible hasn't vanished yet, but millions of believers have over the last 2,000 years. Once a believer dies, as I just mentioned, the gifts will no longer be necessary in heaven. And those things that I didn't understand will then come into focus and I will truly understand God's purposes. Until then, verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, I thought as a child. Um, our oldest son, he's 6'5". And so we, have a, we, we took the door from our first house. We, we didn't steal it. We took it because we remodeled. And so we still have that door to this day. So it's uh, about 37 years old, that door. Older than that, but as far as our use. And our youngest son, um, after seven years, we had our youngest son. He was four inches taller at every age. He ended up being 6'6", 280. Works for Phoenix PD. And his calves, I don't know how many kids you see that have calf muscles. This kid had calf muscles. And people would look at him when he was three. 
thinking that he was five or six because he was that big all over. He was just big. And they say, why is he acting like a three-year-old? Because he is. (laughs) No. Yeah. But unfortunately, we as humans and as parents, what do we do with our oldest child, our firstborn child? We put a lot of pressure on them. You know what? You're a big boy now. You're a big girl. You have to help around the house. You have to do this. You have to do that. We got to be careful with our expectations. Don't expect a three-year-old to be a five-year-old, a five-year-old to be an eight-year-old, eight-year-old to be a 12-year-old, so forth and so on. But read what the text says. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. Paul here is giving us a physical principle, a physical analogy, and he's going to teach a spiritual principle, and that's what he's teaching here to the, to the Corinthians, right? Because they were childish with the gifts. They weren't being childlike. They were being childish. They were being selfish. They were being, look at me, look at me, look at my gift, look what I can do, look at me. So Paul is giving them an analogy here. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. That's what we should do, right? But when I became a man or when I became a woman, when you became a woman, ladies... I put away childish things. Now, unfortunately, what I see happening here is we also put away childlike faith. And now we got to live out our faith. We got to make our faith happen. And we don't build our trust in God. You know, when our kids were little and now when our grandkids are, you know, are little and we do something that's dangerous, we hold on to their hand and we say, hey, hold my hand. And we can feel them. And, and you'll remember this if you're a parent. You, you, you'll, you'll feel them trying to squirm out of your hand. And, and what do you do? You just grab it a little bit tighter. Not to, not to hurt them, but you're holding on to them because you know there's danger. You're not trying to hurt them. And sometimes you literally have to pull them or drag them along, being careful not to hurt them, but you have a plan and a purpose. And so, but other, there's other times where they just, oh, okay, they just blindly do what you ask them to do. You know, we have a zip line at our house. It's 16 feet off the ground. We put little kids in harnesses and they jump off. They have total trust. I don't know why, but they have total trust that I built it properly and that it's not going to break. And they're smiling. They have a great time. Can I do that again? Yeah, come on up. Let's do it again. But unfortunately, as we grow in the faith and as we grow in our maturity, we think, well, you know what? God doesn't have it all together. I do. So I'm not going to have childlike faith anymore. I'm going to trust in my employer. I'm going to trust in the government. I'm going to trust in my mate. I'm going to trust in my 401k. I'm going to trust, fill in the blank. 22 guys, trust in God. And if all those other things come through, praise him for it. But if you don't think things aren't going to go crazy, you haven't been awake the last 18 months. But when I became a man, in other words, when I matured as an individual, I put away those childish things. That's an exhortation for you and I to make sure that as our knowledge increases that we don't take it upon ourselves that it was our great knowledge that got me to this place. Because Paul makes reference to that. You're nothing apart from God. You think you made it somewhere? 
God allowed you to get there and God gave you the strength and the wisdom to get there. Even if you work somewhere secularly, God gave you that ability. And I say amen to that because I know that as a high school graduate where I ended up at Motorola, that was all God. I don't take any credit except, you know, I did my part. I give all the credit to God. It's your choice. Verse 12. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face. So in context, what is Paul talking about? The Bible? Just the Bible? If you really think it through, no, he's talking about death. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about when you get there. Because you're not going to figure this whole Bible out. You're not going to figure your own heart out. You know, at 61, the Lord's showing me things as I do daily devotions. Not for you, for me, but people get the benefit. I encourage you to do daily devotions. Because at 61, the Lord's showing me things about my heart that he didn't show me when I was 51. And I just got to go, oh, man. You're right. Okay. I got to surrender that. I need more of your Holy Spirit. Strengthen me. Empower me. Forgive me. Creating me more faithfulness, God. And at 51, 41, at 41 to 31, just work it backwards. You can do the same thing in your life. If you're reading the Bible, if you're giving God that opportunity, you will grow. There's no such thing as spiritual retirement unless you want it to be. And if you do that, you're going to stagnate. And people around you are going to notice that. And you might even go back, which Paul will get into. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in parts. And as I read my Bible, I thank God for what he's showing me. I thank him every day. I'm learning stuff on a regular basis. I won't say every single day, but I'm learning stuff on a regular basis. But then I shall know just as I also am known. Hmm. But then, when I figure out all the Bible... Then I'll know as I'm known. That wouldn't be the context. So as you read it, you want read your Bible, you want to keep the text and you want to keep the context of the text. So when I die, I'm going to be known even as I am known. And I would encourage you to do a cross-reference study on Philippians uh, 3, 12 through 16. We'll get that in a few minutes. But as we look at verse 12 here, darkly means an obscure thing. An obscure thing. So you go to your kitchen, go to, the, to your kitchen later today and take a glass and put that glass over your eye, depending on how clean it is. And then you close the other eye and you start looking around and you know it's your house, you know what things are, but they're going to all of a sudden become obscure. I know that's a toaster, but man, that's a weird-looking toaster. That's what the Bible is saying here. We study the best of our ability. Are we going to figure it all out? No. What we do figure out, that's what we'll be held accountable for. That's what we should do in our lives, the gifts. And again, this isn't condemnation. This is exhortation. We've been talking about the gifts for the last two months. We have gift inventories for you to take. It's just a helpful tool. It's not the gospel, (laughs) but it's a tool. Many of you, we've been printing up more. Many of you have taken them. Praise God. Figure out what your gift is. If you're still resistant, if you still haven't done that, why? Why? 
It's in the Bible. Why are you doing that? Not, not for me. You don't have to answer me. I'm just asking you and God's messenger. Why are you not doing that? It's kind of like a parent would say to the child, there's something good for you. Why aren't you doing that? I, I don't want to do it. And even with adult children, we kind of raise our hands and go, okay, whatever. Don't tell us that we didn't tell you. There's things that we're going to know and that God wants us to know. But then when I get to heaven, then it'll be ultimately known. This word picture, I believe here, is directly dealing with heaven. You see, I have a mental picture, and there are quite a few verses that tell us what heaven will look like. Revelation 21, we just finished it up, gives us some very good details about the construction of heaven. But unfortunately, it's like looking through that glass. It's obscure. But once we step into heaven, our loved ones who have gone this past year... Do you think they're wondering, is this really heaven? Am I really in heaven? No, they know they're in heaven. We will see the new Jerusalem of all of its beauty, all of those various and beautiful gems. We will see the tree of life. When was the last time we saw the tree of life? In the garden. If you've been reading, just yesterday. And it's probably a fruit that we've never even partaken of, but it's going to bear 12 fruits on a regular basis. Our taste buds are going to go explode with joy. We will see the Heavenly Father in all of His glory with Jesus sitting at His right hand and the Holy Spirit who dwells within every believer right now. We will see exactly what they look like. Not some artist rendition, but we will actually see each of them face to face. And not only will we see them clearly, but we will understand why He chose us to do the things that He did in and through our lives. You see, I'll know about my life. Paul just said this in verse 12 here. Then shall I know just as I also am known. I'll know about my life even as he already knew about my life. You see, God's outside our time realm. And again, I encourage you to do a further study in Philippians 3, 12 through 16. I just have one verse here, Philippians 3.12, but read all of the verses. I encourage you to read all of the verses. I call these verses Christian maturity. But he starts out with verse 12 saying this, not as though I have already attained, either were already perfect. Now as you read the context and you look up that word perfect there, it's dead. It's complete. So let's say that I'm going to die January 1st, 23. I don't know that. God already knows that. And God even knows what my maturity level is going to be at on December 31st of 2022. He already knows that. I do not know that. But as you read the rest of these verses, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. Paul says, forgetting those things. I press forward. Look for action words as you read those next three verses. And allow the Holy Spirit to do action in your life in 22 like maybe he's never ever done before because you've never allowed him to do it before. Surrender your whole life. Not just, I surrender some. I surrender some. Some to Jesus. Some to my flesh. I surrender some. No, no, I surrender all. If I may apprehend, to understand, to comprehend with the mind, that for which I also uh, am apprehended of Christ Jesus. It's exactly what Paul is saying right here. 
What does he say then? But then I shall know just as I am also known. Future tense, current tense. God knows me. God's going to continue to know me. And he reveals things to me and gives me the opportunity to mature or I cannot mature. He gives you the opportunity to mature or you can choose not to mature. It's yours. Praise God for free will, right? It's a blessing to have. But there's also accountability. He'll show you if you desire to do it. See, I will know all about my Christian walk when I step into heaven. And I will know about the walk of others. But only in the heavenly sense, for there will be no fleshly knowledge in heaven. I will see my wife in the purest sense. Even though we've been married, celebrated 40 years this past year. I'm going to know Claudia way better than I ever knew her. Because right now, she's my sister in the Lord. Yes, she's my wife, but she's my sister in the Lord. And she will always be my sister in the Lord. I will understand how she allowed God to use her physically as well as spiritually. I will then know that. Right now, I don't. I mean, she does things for the Lord during the day. I do things for the Lord during the day. I don't know about all those things. She doesn't know about all those things. In heaven, we'll know about all those things. And that what's, that's what makes verse 13 so important. And again, remember the whole context of 12, 13, 14? Here are these Christians loving God, loving Jesus, loving the Holy Spirit, loving all the gifts, and using all of the gifts, using them on a regular basis, all of the gifts, but also misusing the gifts. Why? Because they didn't understand agape love. It was phileo love. But verse 13 wraps it up with this. Now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Agape love. Unconditional, selfless, committed love. Guys, if if we don't understand that aspect of love, it goes back to, let's read them again. Let's read verses 1, 2, and 3. Because again, we're going to have a believer's meeting on a Sunday morning. We're going to make an exception to the rule, so to speak. And we're going to see what God wants to do in our lives, individuals as well as corporately. And so, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, a heavenly tongue or an earthly tongue, but have not agape love, if I'm not doing it out of sincerity, out of humility, out of obedience, what God called me to do. So even as we have a a believer's meeting on a Sunday morning and we practice the gifts on a Sunday morning, if we don't do it out of agape love, if we do it out of phileo, look at me, look at me, look at me. I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You see, this is maturity in action as the music team comes up. This is maturity in action. See, when I was a young believer, I was a part of the charismatic renewal, and I was actually slain in the spirit. I knew somebody was going to catch me, so I had no issues when they prayed over me to falling backwards and being slain in the spirit. And as I matured in the faith and matured in the word of God, I found out there's no such thing as slain in the spirit. And we don't want to practice Ananias and Sapphira here on a Sunday morning, do we? So I didn't do it anymore. I just didn't do it anymore. It's not in the scriptures. It was an emotion. It was a feeling. It did feel really good. 
That was really cool. But we don't live our faith on feelings or emotions. That'll disappoint us. We live our faith on the facts. And we allow the heavenly feelings and the heavenly emotions to come, not stifling the Holy Spirit, but at the same time not doing something that's not in the Word of God that would grieve the Holy Spirit. How about verse 2? And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not agape? So even though we have these meetings and we practice the gifts, you want to keep these verses in mind. This is what, do you hear what Paul's heart, do you hear Paul's heart, what he's saying to these believers? You get together and you practice the gifts and I'm so glad you do, but you're out of order and it means nothing because you're selfish and you're doing it for selfish reasons. Verse three, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned I become a martyr for Christ. But have not agape love. It profits me nothing. On this side of heaven, but more importantly, what did Jesus say? Store up treasure in heaven where thieves cannot break in and steal, where rust does not corrupt, where moths don't eat. Guys, we're going to have reward in heaven. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what we're going to do with all that. I don't care. I'm just going to do what God said. Store it up. Store it up. He'll show me what to do with it when we get there. You have an option in 22. Store up treasure on this side of heaven for the IRS or store up treasure in heaven for your eternal rewards. It's your decision. Father, we thank you and praise you for every opportunity that you give to us, even as we just thought about Your love is unconditional. Even when we make mistakes, again. Even when we fail, again. Even when we make wrong choices, again. You still love us. Because your love never fails. And so as we go into 22, Father, help us to remember that for our love, our earthly love is so short-sighted, is so shallow for other people. Lord, we want to go deeper with you. We want your agape love to fill our lives that those who are, have no hope, even for those who are taking their own lives because they have no hope, that we might reach them for Christ. Father, we're living in a culture that's just still absorbed with self. Father, help us to be available for your glory this year, Lord. Not for our comfort. Not for our comfort. For your glory. We only got one shot at this life. And I know every one of us in this room want to hear. Everyone watching over the end from that. We desire to hear. Every believer desires to hear. Well done thou good and faithful servant. Well done. We just don't want to crawl into heaven. We want to hear well done. So Lord fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. As we pray right now Lord. Father fill us afresh. We want to surrender all, but our flesh doesn't. So, Lord, we allow you, if this is your prayer, then just pray this with me. Father, we allow you to override our flesh and to keep our flesh in check that we might fulfill what you'd have for us to do in 22, to reach the lost, to be ambassadors for Christ, not for any political party, to be responsible and do what we need to do. But for you, Father, that's our ambassadorship.
because we're just passing through. Help us to have a light touch on the things of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, guys. God bless you. Have a blessed year. If we don't see you, if you're visiting, have a blessed year. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, please come up and receive Jesus as your Savior. You don't know if you got the rest of the day. Guys, pray for our land. Uh, if you're not reading the news, I encourage you to read a little bit of news. Um, 100,000 people, over 100,000 people last year died from fentanyl, from drug overdoses. Over 100,000 Americans died by abusing drugs. Guys, we're in desperate days. Might be a coworker that's doing it and you don't realize it. Pray that the Holy Spirit would open your mind. It might be a neighbor, it might be a family member. Pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to them, that you might be ready to reach out to them and love them before they do something very, very drastic. God bless you guys. Need prayer for anything? Please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.